We're talking Abraham Lincoln and Star Wars on this week's The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeremy. With me this week is Rail Splitter Mary. Hey guys, how's it going? And Rail Splitter Nick. Hello, internet land. And we have a very special guest today for this crazy themed episode. We have with us John from the Blockade Runner Podcast. John, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Right, so why on earth are we doing an Abraham Lincoln slash Star Wars podcast? Well, several reasons. One, uh, we're kind of in the midst of Star Wars fever, I think, as a, as a culture, uh, being kind of inundated with uh, advertisements for The Last Jedi and hype for The Last Jedi and all that stuff. So that's kind of the main reason we're doing it now. But um, I personally think, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts, but I think it's kind of interesting how nerddoms sometimes collide you know and it was interesting we met mary through um just social media with the podcast and she's a star wars fan we're star wars fans you know so it's kind of funny how sometimes um people who are nerdy in a way and i and that's a positive term in my opinion uh how their interests sometimes align are we having a debate on what's nerdier a star wars podcast or a lincoln podcast I don't think so. We should do that. That'd be good. Yeah. It's it's a different kind of nerdy, maybe. (laughs) Uh, And another thing, too, is I I think they're both so, uh, as far as two kind of very different areas of of culture, they seem to be pervasive. Like, you see Lincoln everywhere. You seem to see Star Wars everywhere. Uh, They both lend themselves really well to mashups. You know, we see the Vampire Hunter movie and book, and we've seen, you know, Lincoln time traveling and comic books and, you know, and all sorts of advertising. And then obviously Star Wars is pervasive as well with, you know, mashups and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's like the Shakespeare Star Wars out and every type of media possible. I distinctly remember when I was about nine years old, um, one of the coolest mashups or crossovers I've ever, I ever saw at that point was uh, the Muppet Babies. Uh, Star Wars episode, John. Are you familiar with that that treasure? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really remember the episode itself that well, but I remember there was like a shot from Star Wars in the opening for Muppet Babies. Um, so that's about the extent of my memory of that one. But yeah, I just I watched a little bit of it today just because I was thinking about like, man, that was awesome. Um, and I was seeing if my kid might want to watch it. Um, but yeah, there's a Tie Fighter in the opening sequence of Muppet yeah. Babies. Uh, and in that episode, you have Gonzo as Gonzolo. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you have uh, Kermit the Frog as Luke Skyhopper. Uh-huh. And there's a couple others. They're pretty, pretty good. Um, we should have John introduce himself and say, 
Just so people know who he is. Right, yeah. I was I was getting to that. I was just Oh, okay. To I didn't know where you were going with all this. I didn't want people to shut it off. Like, why are we at Star Wars? What? So John's I, the, I didn't uh, know we were doing Muppet Babies. I was scared where yeah. this was going because I actually hate the Muppet <laughs> Babies. If but. this is your first Rail Splitter episode, uh, they're not all like this. We try to do fun stuff here and there. So uh, I believe that was the first Muppet Babies reference we've made on the show. Uh, John's coming to us from the Blockade Runner podcast. John, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about who you are and, uh, and your show? Yeah, sure. So uh, I host the Blockade Runner podcast. We've been doing it for about two years, and it's just kind of a general Star Wars podcast uh, hosted by myself and featuring a couple of my best friends. And, uh, you know, we put out a show every two weeks or so, hopefully, and uh, we try to cover um, whatever is kind of exciting in Star Wars at the time. And then also maybe more general topics as well. Uh, lately, we've been doing shows about um, each year of the 1990s related to Star Wars. Uh, we always do like big, um, you know, movie uh, discussions, like after a new, new movie comes out or uh, whatever it may be. So um, just a general Star Wars show uh, hosted by a couple of, of Star Wars fans and friends. Yeah, and I would uh, definitely recommend the show. It's actually... Um, I've been listening to it since it started, and it was it's kind of, we based our show kind of on a similar format to the one you got you all used, um, where it's kind of a fan show. Like, cause one thing I like about the Blockade Runner is like you don't have to be an uber Star Wars like you know nerd or whatever you want to call it, and like they're not going to make references to characters that that it you know to make you feel weird if you don't know who they're talking about. It's very accessible, but it's also great for fans. I, like you do, you guys do a great job of. Kind of hitting everybody. We try to do the same thing, not trying to be overly um, esoteric with our references and all that kind of stuff. So uh, try to hit everybody where they're at. So there'd be no rail splitter without the blockade runner. Very, yeah, I think so. I think that that's yeah. an accurate statement. Well, I would love to learn from uh, the Rail Splitter uh, podcast here how to do a show consistently week in and week out because <laughs> we've been doing our show for a while now, and I've been I do another show too. Uh, in addition to that, and uh, we've never gotten the uh, consistent release schedule like you guys have. So um, that's, uh, that's a goal to shoot for here. <laughs> yeah, for it's, uh, it helps to have three of us on every week that hold each other accountable. And when in doubt, record two episodes at a time because then you yeah. have a little bit in the bank. There you go, yeah. Group group text. The group text is very yeah, lively. The group, yeah, the, it gets yeah, me through same. my day sometimes. Yeah, same here. W- which I named cleverly the rail splitter yeah, chat. the rail splitter chat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we do, uh, we do want to talk a little bit about Abraham Lincoln, obviously. Um, so to do one thing, uh, we had uh, a trivia episode not long ago. Uh, so, John, I'm going to put you right on the spot, and okay. it's okay. John, he has tons of street cred. What's your current winning streak in Star Wars trivia, like public Star Wars trivia? Yeah, Star Wars trivia, uh, two, two for three. Uh, so I've won two in a row here. Yeah, yeah, so you're you're on a, you're on a bit of a heater, not to jinx it. Yeah, um, I see it as a D average, but anyways, <laughs> we'll continue. First place out of like twenty teams, two out of three times. Uh, if you ain't first, you're last. In a new hope, uh, what is the first sentence of the crawl? The famous yellow text that scrolls in uh, the beginning of Star Wars saga movies. Oh my God! Um, you know what? I think this is uh, this might be the question that I lost um, the first of the three trivia rounds on. It was a crawl question. I actually have no idea at the moment. Um, it is a time of uh, galactic civil war, or something like that. I'm going to give um, you partial credit. Uh, okay. We'll let you make up for it. What's the first sentence of Revenge of the Sith's crawl? Uh, the first sen- is it one word? Yes. 
War. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The second sentence is, what is it good for? Uh, No, it's not. It's not. Uh, The first sentence of A New Hope's Crawl is, it is a period of civil war. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, and hence, and now we've constructed a bridge to to Abraham Mm -hmm. Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what we're going to do, because obviously the Star Wars saga started with a civil war, um, just to have some fun, we are going to... Compare figures in Abraham Lincoln's political sphere and the Civil War to who we believe they would be in the Star Wars universe, um, which I actually will contend as a former history teacher is not a terrible way to learn things. I was always a fan, and I like to see English teachers do it too, where you like create a movie cast for um, like a novel or a play, or even when you cast like historical pieces. Like it was, it's kind of fun to think who should play whom, and learners of history can kind of uh, show what they know about the time period by their justification for their casting decisions. So I've always done that. Um, and one you know, quick movie note, one very, very important connection between Abraham Lincoln and the Star Wars universe. Um, our favorite film here at the Rail Splitter is probably Lincoln, uh, which was produced by Kathleen Kennedy. And actually, that's not my favorite, but anyways. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> produced... Rail splitters. Yeah. Uh, but remember your p- favorite rail splitter, not my favorite movie, though. <laughs> so in your reviews, remember it's you know hashtag Team Nick. If you, if you're cool with yep. him not liking Lincoln as a movie, uh, but <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy was the producer of that, and obviously that was uh, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, she was did an amazing job with that, working with Steven Spielberg um, to produce that film. Now the president and CEO of Lucasfilm, um, and. I made a reference on the Blockade Runners uh, Twitter one time of how uh, George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy are are the film versions of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, in my opinion, Uh, which was a very, I think John called it an on-brand reference, which was a pretty good assessment of it. (laughs) But, but, you know, George Lucas can't can't be the father or or the maker of Star Wars forever. Had to hand it off, much like George Washington. Uh, obviously, had to hand it off to several people, but uh, you know, uh, there's that the uh, in the old state capitol in Springfield where Lincoln was laid in state um, above the kind of around the rotunda. It says Washington, the creator; Lincoln, the savior. You may, may be able to say the same thing about you know Lucas, the maker, and Kennedy, the savior, in a way. Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, hopefully she's going to have another Academy Award nomination uh, next spring for The Last Jedi, so we'll see. Could be, could be. Yeah. So, all right, um, I think the, the most pressing question is going to be for the Rail Splitters, and John is the Star Wars expert. Which Star Wars character would you say is the Abraham Lincoln of the Star Wars universe? Who wants to go first? Mary, Nick? <laughs> John? Well, it's hard not to be influenced by Nick's uh, show notes here. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> so I did. I feel like I'm cheating. He shared those with you and not us, I believe. I never share with uh, <laughs> Mary and Jeremy. Well, that's not true. I did once. Well, when he talked to me about coming on the show on Friday, I was grilling him like, well, where are the show notes? I need to be prepared. <laughs> so I sent them to you literally an hour ago. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, especially going forward, you guys are going to have to give me, like, clue me in on who these people are. But uh, for Lincoln, I think uh, Yoda seems like uh, an appropriate choice as the uh, the wizened, um, sage-like leader, you know? So I did choose Yoda. Okay. And then okay. Um, 
Reason why, well, one reason is, you know, I, I kind of, Yoda's known for how he kind of relays the story. Lincoln's known how he relays the story. Yoda's the man with wisdom. Lincoln's the man with wisdom. Lincoln was tall. Yoda was small. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was just, I was preparing a height joke, while, yeah. like, just as you were saying. That's good. That. Uh, yeah, so, you know, put a lot of thought in that one. Yeah, well, if we're going to go by height, it would have to be Snoke, I think, as uh, Snoke is seven feet tall. So. Yeah, what's up with that, dude? I, uh, <laughs> this was one of the shows I was able, I was talking to my son about today at dinner, um, and I said, you know, and I definitely want to bring him up. There's a sound clip that I share with the Rail Splitters of, I asked him when he was about two or three what his favorite things to read about, and he says Abraham Lincoln and Star Wars. So I'll play that at the end of the show. Um, it's very difficult to understand what he said at the time. But anyway, um, I asked him, he said Darth Vader because of the height. Thing. So I was, I was like, I'm, I'm like, have I taught you nothing? No. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, he, he went strictly by appearance and said Vader based on height. You know, I was reading an article today. Um, there is some articles out there, Civil War and Star Wars. And a lot of people were kind of comparing uh, Lincoln to, uh, God, what was it? Like, basically, you know how like the, it like splits in the first three episodes? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. like, it's the Empire or the Republic at that time. Or what is that? I can't even think. What's the... It's Empire, the second yeah, the three. Republic. Republic, okay. Yeah, the Republic. So, like, Republic. you had Palpatine, you know. A lot of people comparing him to Lincoln. So, and uh, in the writing, not a lot of people, in this article. So, I think the fact that we take a Northern perspective on this, mm-hmm. a Union perspective, is totally going to lead us to casting a lot of the good guys mm-hmm. in Star Wars as northern generals. Oh, well, maybe. I don't so, want to get a spoiler alert out, but I got I might have some surprises. All right, uh, go ahead, Mary. So Mary, who did you pick for Lincoln? Um, I picked Obi-Wan. Mm. For Lincoln, just again, it, it's like yoga goes back to wisdom and wise and just that he's you know, gone through a lot in his life and just the way he advises Luke. And I actually was really torn about who to pick for Lincoln. Like I had Luke down as well. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Someone as thinking of Lincoln in his youth and how he grew and became who he was. Um, so it's basically a tie between Obi-Wan and Luke. I couldn't decide which one, um, but just to see how, you know, I think Lincoln was kind of awkward in his youth, much like um, Luke was. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on, he becomes more comfortable and more sure-footed, and he becomes wise. And that's quite evident. And I think we're probably going to see some of that, I hope, mm-hmm. in The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, I agree. So. Um, I Mary, I like the way you were going with that. I was very, very close to choosing Luke myself. Um both of them losing parents uh, at a young age, with Lincoln mm-hmm. losing his mother when he was quite young, um, and kind of being raised. Lincoln was raised by a stepmother um, who was very nurturing and very uh, supportive, and you know he referred to, to her as his angel mother. Um, and then he was raised by his father, who was kind of very much like an Uncle Owen type figure, um, really wanted him to work and... Um, you know, wasn't wasn't very supportive of his goals, and uh, you know, Lincoln. There was always there was a there was Dude, a strange relationship there. I did not end up choosing Luke, but I think hold on those, a second here though. Luke's so damn whiny when he's young. 
Mm-hmm. I could never see Lincoln being as big as a whiner <laughs> as Luke was. No. I mean, for cry I. I mean, Luke drives yeah. me crazy yeah. when well, he's young at times. Lincoln wasn't trying to go to the Tashi station or anything. And how much material is there out there about a 17-year-old Abraham Lincoln, though? I, I don't actually know. Is there? Not very many. I mean, his you know his step-siblings said that he was very uh, kind. Non-whiny. Uh, hard-working. <laughs> right, you know, very, I think, bookish probably more than anything. Um which you know at the time wasn't as revered as as a thing for a kid to be as it is now probably, um, but yeah I agree. There's not as much source material um, on uh, Lincoln as a 17 year old. Um, but I it, it always comes across as like kind of a you know. Well, I guess he would work hard when he went out there and worked, but he was always looking for a chance to read, which irritated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, but then at a very young age, though, he's going down like the Mississippi though too. Mm-hmm. So. Whereas, what would Luke be doing? Whining. <laughs> complaining. I mean, come on. You know. Yeah. Geez. Yeah, those, that's the first 20 minutes of A New Hope, I guess, is what we're going to base that yeah, whole thing Luke on. Whining. Um, I, I found Luke very hard to cast. As, so I keep interrupting you. I apologize. Yeah. But I found Luke very hard <laughs> to cast with any of these like Civil War era mm-hmm. individuals because Luke is such a unique figure. You know what I mean? Right. He's such a... I'm like an awesome character. It's right. like almost like I didn't even bother casting him. I didn't use Luke at all because I felt like he's just on his own plane um, mm-hmm. there. He's like almost too awesome. Well, and the I only mean, one you could really consider was Lincoln in my eyes. And when you're looking bit. at historic figures, very rarely are you looking at a character arc like you're going to see in a compelling film series, right? I yep. mean, like the hero's journey, you know, really doesn't happen in real life in the same ways, I don't think. Um, so to say, like, you know, that they've endured in a way where they develop as a person uh, historically. I don't think it happens quite as often. But uh, so I did actually did not choose Luke for Abraham Lincoln. I chose Ray. Uh, and the reason I chose Ray were similar to why I was leaning toward Luke um, in that, you know, she did not have any any parents around and kind of had to fend for herself. Um, and is very much more of a of a self-made person. Um, and kind of um, is successful ultimately at the end of The Force Awakens based on her own merit and based on her own work. Um, definitely, you know, she she and Lincoln, I think, share that um, that aspect. Also, you know, Jakku is, is similar. Not that Tatooine isn't, but Jakku is very similar to Frontier Illinois, which, you know, you might as well be in the Outer Rim. It, you know, it's just kind of this, like, off, you know, not 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 a resource rich uh, area. It's you know definitely kind of an afterthought. There's not going to be any battle. I know there was a battle at Jakku, but you know nobody's fighting over the resources of it or anything like that. Um, Illinois being on the frontier was kind of on the fringe of political influence in the 1840s and 50s, and yet he still rose from there. So um, I chose Ray. It's also partly because, and I've talked to John about this before. I don't think this could happen, and I probably don't even think it should happen. But my ideal outcome for Ray's, because Ray's parentage is kind of the big topic now, right, in Star Wars. Uh, I just was listening to Blockade Runner on my drive over here to Nick's house, and there was some very good discussion about Ray's parentage. I want Ray just to be Ray. Like, I want her to, like, her parents were people who had to abandon her, and they should have a compelling backstory. Um, but I don't like the idea that she's so powerful because she's a Skywalker as much as I would like her just to be just a badass because she's a badass, you know, just because, um, she's awesome. 
uh, I don't know how well that fits in the Star Wars universe. I, I recognize that it has to be there, there's got to be some sort of connection. I think for the for the audience. Um, but since we're recording this pre Last Jedi, I'm going to go with that little that little hope and say like maybe Ray's just Ray, and that would really make the Abraham Lincoln connection for me uh, be that much stronger. Well, you're just wrong on two accounts because that's not going to happen, and you're going to look <laughs> foolish when Ray goes to the dark side in <laughs> the Last Jedi. Come on, and then then you're just gonna, I think, I you're going to have to backtrack John, all this. We're going to have the expert on this. I think we're going to need him to weigh in on the on these possibilities. Uh, well, oh, go ahead, Mary. I was going to say I think Jeremy's convinced me about Ray. Like that is <laughs> really she is actually one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, and that was. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said about her. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah, I would. I would like to see her uh, be just Ray. Although I don't know. I'm more and more. I'm thinking that's unlikely. Um, as far as her going to the dark side, I'd say no way, Nick. No way. Um, I hope so I personally. I think she'll flirt <laughs> with. I think she'll be tempted. You know, she'll she'll have a dark time and mm-hmm. she'll consider it. But I, I can't see her um, being swayed completely and um, going to the dark side. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, Nick, Nick, you're like a fan fiction guy on the internet coming up with this stuff. You know, she always just going dark side, be cool. You know, no, I don't think so. Yeah, she. I think she. There's like a possibility that she'll find some other area of the force uh, in that TV spot that Luke says resist it because she says, you know, I see the light and the dark and something else. That something yeah. else may be, um, maybe where she ends up in it. But I do think she'll be a a good a good person, or mm. formerly known as a good guy. Um, mm-hmm. I want a gray Jedi. <laughs> so, okay. I'm just uh, angry. This is, John, this is fast yeah, becoming a, a Star Wars episode with a touch of Lincoln, which is fine. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, it's fun that way. Um, but uh, what else? Who do we have? What's another? That's probably the only one that all three of us, um, or all four of us actually cast. Is cast the right word? I don't know. Uh, that chose. So, um, what else do we have? I know, Nick, you got a really long list. I do have a really long list. Um, did you all cast Grant? I did not. I did. All right. Uh, did you cast? You want to go first? You want me to go, Mary? Yeah. Now I actually I have double cast some people. Um, I also Grant, found. I, I also did something similar. <laughs> yeah. I um, Grant was um, again Obi Wan. Um, just and there's actually an article that I found talking about how Grant is a lot like Obi-Wan Kenobi, like just that a lot of the stuff that they did in their early days isn't as remembered as what they did in their later years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines. And just Grant was very sto- like very stoic, and I see Obi-Wan as being that way as well. And just there's so much of Grant that is like Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and he's who I, when I was thinking like, who's Grant, I thought Obi-Wan's, you know, like he popped into my mind right away as like, yeah, definitely him. I, I actually have one for Grant, but I, I have a suspicion that it's the same that Nick chose, but maybe not. I always see like Grant and Sherman together mm-hmm. is what my head always, I don't know why, like Grant and Sherman, so then I, that kind of led me to cast uh, Han and uh, Chewie together. Oh, so, awesome. And then, obviously, I, I think Han was a little bit more of a personality than probably Grant was. But, you know, 
I'm sure Han threw back back in his days, made some bad decisions, just like Grant did. And, you know, you know, Sherman was kind of prickly at times, kind of like Chewy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so I, I that popped in my head. The more I thought about it, I didn't really like it as much. But, you know, I just kind of kept going there because there's such a duo that's connected. Grant and Sherman are in the Civil War, uh, you know, world as well as Han and Chewie in the uh, Star Wars world. So and well, I like that. That's good. I like it a lot. And I was correct. Uh, Han Solo. I, and I would I would put Grant as Han Solo. And I'm and I'm making that decision kind of kind of based on historical reputation and kind of how we how history has kind of viewed Lincoln because I'm looking more at a Luke and Luke and Han Solo relationship where um, or just maybe force Jedi in general. Uh, whereas Lincoln is kind of the spiritual guide and the the wise person, and Grant was just just a fighter, you know, like um, the eloquence of Lincoln and all that stuff. And meanwhile, in 1864 and 1865, Grant is going headstrong into battles very aggressively, not a whole lot of messing around, not a whole lot of BS, just like going and fighting. Um, and I think so he's kind of got the roguish uh, element to him, not not known as a general, at least as a, is a real thoughtful, uh, pensive person, whereas Lincoln certainly does have that reputation. So I think Han Solo is good, although the Han and Chewie thing is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, when you're just talking there, I thought of like, a, you know, beginning an empire, like the Luke Han mm-hmm. could be like uh, Grant Sherman there, you know? Oh, yeah. Kind of like Han was like looking out for Luke, all concerned about him. I kind of felt like Grant was that time. Well, and Mary, Sherman you tell that bit. story all the time about how when Sherman was at his lowest, Grant was there to to pick him up, which is, you know, it's, you know, if there was a Tauntaun there, he would slice him open and shove him inside for the warmth. Dude, I saw a Tauntaun sleeping bag, uh, just for record. Pretty awesome. (laughs) Go ahead, John. I was just going to say that's a classic. That's a Think Geek item. It's uh, about $120 to $150, I think. But it is very cool. The zipper is a lightsaber, and uh, when you open it up, you're opening up that tauntaun, and uh, that's a that's a much coveted uh, Star Wars item for sure. While we're on Han Solo here, I did cast him again, and this could be probably controversial. I feel like Han Solo always kind of gets himself in the bind, and then gets himself mm-hmm. out of there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's regarded as one of the better fighters um, in the Star Wars universe. And then it thought made me think of one uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, Ooh, wow. who also oh, found himself in you know tight situations and always seemed. I mean, how many horses did he have? I guess he doesn't have his <laughs> Millennium Falcon, but um, because his Millennium Falcon kept dying several times. Well, yeah, kind of. But I mean, he yeah. was able to yeah. get himself out of there. He's a great tactician. Um, so I did think about that as far as a you know, uh, combat experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I thought, I would have bet my paycheck you were going to say Robert E. Lee. I thought for sure that's where you were going with that. So. <laughs> nope. Wow. Well, if, if Han Solo works, sounds like uh, maybe Lando could work too because Lando is also, you know, roguish and uh, he actually leads that assault on the second mm-hmm. Death Star um, where you don't really ever see Han Solo, like, I mean, I guess down there on Endor, he's commanding troops and stuff, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wish you know that's actually a really good point, John. Like, is there a Civil War figure who was, I mean, maybe Grant, I suppose, but like, kind of um, self-serving and you know out for their own best interest, and then 
kind of has an epiphany and a turnaround and ends up being heroic. Cause I really do like that story arc a lot. And I think that there's, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I'm sure there are some lesser known. And if you're out there in real splitter nation and want to tweet some names, that'd be awesome. Cause you know, some, what you about know, some Confederate sympathizers members. or something that kind of came around in the end? Um, what about some of Lincoln's cabinet people? Yeah, I mean, Stanton, I think you could kind of make that argument for because he was yep. uh, he was not a fan of Lincoln um, really at all. And he was kind of kind of known as as really yeah, kind of being self-serving. Really, I yep. think a lot of the cabinet you could kind of make that argument for because they were all vying for the nomination. Uh, Seward, yep. um, Seward, very much so. Chase, very much so. Um, and then they definitely kind of swallowed their pride and, and ended up really being Lincoln advocates and union advocates in a good way, abolitionists. Um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of, of Lando without the roguishness and the gambling and the swashbuckling past, um, probably in most of them. Yeah, I would say definitely Stanton and definitely Seward. Just how Seward, especially at the, you know, the beginning of the presidency, he was very much, power. you could say, power-hungry. Um, and then I think Lincoln in his own way put Seward in his place Mm -hmm. and the two like Seward respected him so much more after that. And Stanton the same way, like you look at the way Stanton treated Lincoln in Cincinnati, um, over that patent case. And then Lincoln asked him to be his secretary of war. Mm -hmm. And I think that really made Stanton kind of like, okay, like this guy is, even though I treated him this way. Here I am now as Secretary of War. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a brief meeting for that same pat, patent case in Rockford, Illinois. That was a, brought Lincoln to Rockford, Illinois, which is the city Nick and I and John are currently sitting in. So I just read that chapter in the Lincoln bio. See, there you go. You uh, don't really do much on that. If it's all right with you all, I'm, I would like to go next because I'd like to get John's thoughts on, on my next one. And I'm guessing many of some of you may have uh, cast this person as well. Uh, Robert E. Lee, which we've kind of mentioned. Um, I chose him as Darth Vader for a very interesting, for what I think is kind of an interesting idea. Um, it's, and this one's very much based on historic interpretation. Um, Darth Vader um, killed many, many children in cold blood. Dude, this is the same he, train of, I, I know. You know, he, like, the first, th- the first time we see him, he's this menacing, fearsome character who crushes the throat of a unarmed prisoner of war, essentially, right? Um, arguably, either either a diplomatic <laughs> mis- misunderstanding or a prisoner of war, depending on how you look at it, and he crushes the guy's throat and kills him. And just a ruthless, you know, killing subordinates <laughs> with, you know, with the force. And, um, and yet, uh, my six-year-old son thinks he's the coolest person ever like he's on like literally my son is sleeping with pajamas with him on the pajamas like right now um i have a backpack that i carry my my av equipment in with him on it you know he's uh he's the if you can see my laptop he's the sticker on my laptop like he's just kind of like my christmas tree yeah yeah nick literally has a has a christmas tree that's darth vader um so like he's like this pop culture phenomenon that you know, people don't really look at him as a stone cold killer or a cold blooded killer of countless people. Um, you know, he's fearsome, fear, you know, menacing character, clearly. But like in pop culture, he's just kind of the face of the franchise in many ways. Um, and when you look at Robert E. Lee, who 
um, you know, turned his back on his country in a way and fought for Virginia to keep slavery around and um, fought tirelessly and um, brilliantly many times to to perpetuate the institution of slavery in many ways. Um, yet he's kind of looked at, and, ha and it's starting to go away a little bit, but he's kind of looked at historically as, you know, I mean, I had a toy. I, I got an exchange on my personal Twitter account. Uh, my big wheel uh, in the 1980s was a Dukes of Hazard big wheel uh, that was kind of modeled after the General Lee. So there were toys. Uh, and he's kind of looked at as, as a genius in many ways and as this, like, kind of uh, face of the franchise in a way of the Civil War. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's juxtaposed with Lincoln and Grant as, like, the face of the Civil War, Jefferson Davis is largely looked at as a traitor and as a scoundrel uh, for being the president of the Confederacy. But Grant, or excuse me, Lee doesn't really have that. So I kind of see some parallels there with like, you know, we just kind of look past everything and and value um, value uh, the, this image of who these these two figures are. So. Um, John, I don't know like what your thoughts are on uh, Vader as a toy versus Vader as a villain uh, and what that means and if there's if you see any parallels with historic figures in that way. Um, well, I'm, I'm probably largely ignorant on the uh, on the, the history of Robert E. Lee. So my question would be, uh, well, two things, I guess, like, is there a redemption arc for Robert E. Lee? Because I think that goes a long way in terms of like, you know, us feeling OK about Darth Vader or sort of like yeah, I don't know. We're in the Darth Vader pajamas or whatever. Um, and then also, uh, what's the manipulation story with Robert E. Lee? Because I think that's the other part of it, too. Uh, you know, we could look at the story of Darth Vader and say, well, you know, before he was manipulated, um, you know, he wasn't this terrible person. And then somebody got in his head and twisted his mind. Um, and then he eventually came out of that on the other side. Yeah, uh, there is uh, some redemption, uh, not as much as a lot of apologists, I think, would like you to believe there mm -hmm. is. Um, that probably more sounds like Longstreet. Yes, Longstreet. James yeah. Longstreet yes. than Robert E. Lee is what you just described, John, who was uh, like Robert E. Lee's right hand. Isn't that what he said, his right hand? Uh, yeah, wasn't it? No, Jackson, 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 and then Longstreet was his left. Okay, no, no, yeah. Longstreet took over for Jackson, right? Yeah. Maybe, no, yeah, but he yeah. used that reference for Jackson, though. Yeah. yeah, you guys are right. Um, you know, speaking of Robert E. Lee, you know, he's kind of he was in the U.S. Army, right? Or he was on it was very hard for him to make the decision. Basically, he turned sides to me, and he looks really much like this dude. I felt too, Count Dooku. Yeah. It's kind of where I saw that because, you know, Count Dooku was supposed to, you know, he was a Jedi and then he turned to the to the dark yes. side. I and know, then, just real quick to, to, to your point on Robert E. Lee having the decision, I think that that sometimes gets blown out of proportion for two reasons. One, he's, you know, he does say he was offered command of the Union Army and he said no because he could never take up arms against Virginia, um, which is technically treason. Um the, the issue I have with that is there's, those are not two choices. You don't have the choice to fight for the Union or fight for the Confederacy. If you didn't want to take up arms against Virginia, you could always have not taken up arms, right? Yeah. Like, there was a yeah, third exactly. choice, like, I can't, I can't go against my home state, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to Switzerland this thing, um, mm -hmm. which he didn't do. So, like, I don't, I don't give him a whole lot of like, oh, well, he wrestled with the decision for a while before, you know. Uh, I don't subscribe to that as much as I think others do. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, 
So I was just thinking Count Dooku along those lines. So, um, mm-hmm. and they look a lot alike. There's a, oh God, maybe you could help out with this, John. There's a dude. He's always in like the meetings with the, with the rebels, and he's old with the beard. He's oh, in the yeah. Rebels series. What's that he's, guy's he's name? He's in Rogue One. Uh, Jan Dodonna, I believe. Looks just <laughs> like Robert E. Lee, man. Yeah. I saw yeah. it on a Twitter post, and I'm like, oh, I gotta change this. <laughs> I, I did not like. I did not like him in Rogue One as much. But yeah, I didn't go with yeah. that. But he does he look does. like Robert E. Like if, if you had to choose an actor, if you have white hair and a beard, you are you're just Robert E. Lee. That's just the way it is. Or Santa Claus, but <laughs> right? Yeah, sorry, so, sorry, Saint Nick. Didn't mean to disrespect you, there, Chris Kringle. So, all right, who's got it? Who's got the next one? Mary, you got one. Yeah. Um, so I think our listeners would be disappointed if I didn't cast my favorite general. Oh, of course, Sherman. Um, so I actually had him as Han Solo. Um, obviously, the adventure, the personality, because Sherman was so full of personality and the. You know, I'm sure when he walked in a room, everybody knew he was there. Um, and yeah, he made bad decisions in his life. Uh, he had failures. Um, but there's also the confidence, borderline arrogance as well. Um, and him just doing stuff that, you know, the March to the Sea, where he came up with this idea, just like all out total war, um, make them feel in the South what war was really like. Um, and just the arrogance and confidence goes along with that. And also, too, the way Han Solo dresses, like he doesn't really care about that. And Sherman was much the same way. Like he wouldn't wear, like, you know, he dressed like the other men. He just, like he wanted to be like a, a normal soldier kind of thing. And I just see a lot of, like, Sherman in in Han Solo. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. I think it kind of goes along with, with Nick's uh, Han and Chewie mm-hmm. comparison, I think those are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, and yet another example of somebody who doesn't need to dress up to be successful. Yes. <laughs> and John laughs at the inside joke. <laughs> he works with us. <laughs> Nick is not. Uh, Nick is known for his roguish appearances in the similar vein as uh, Sherman and Grant and, and Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, but I think I like that. I think that's uh, I think that's that's good, good comparison. Nick, you got one. Oh, I got several. <laughs> um, I casted John Brown. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. So I was thinking, you know, somebody who, you know, are arguably I'm a union guy and I'm an abolitionist. I would like to think I would be then. Uh, but John Brown was one of those fanatics mm-hmm. who took it too far. So then you think Star Wars, who's somebody who's on the right side of things, who wants the same things as, you know, Luke and all of them. Um, this goes more Rogue One mm-hmm. and pre Saw Cavera. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is who yes. I chose. So Saw Cavera, who's yes. in uh, Forrest Whitaker's character in Rogue One, that is who I casted as John Brown. Uh, that's that might be a little bit of a deeper cut, John. Can you give us like the like the Wikipedia biography of Sagarera? Sure, uh, Sagarera would be one of the original rebels, uh, part of the uh, part of the original rebellion against the Empire. Uh, but he was very much an extremist. Um, was willing to sacrifice uh, innocent lives in order to, um, you know, kind of 
achieve his goals. Um, and, uh, he was, he was very much a believer in violence. Like, um, if he had to, uh, break some stuff or, um, you know, end some lives in the process of uh, achieving whatever goal he wanted to achieve, he was willing to do that. And okay. if you just jumped in okay. midway, you might think he's describing John Brown. I was just going to say John. I said I said Saul Guerrero, not John Brown. That was like exactly like exactly how you could describe John Brown. Like, yeah, because you were using a lot of pronouns there. Like, it could have been, yeah. it could have been John Brown for sure. That was, I'll take that your was, word for it. Well done, well done. <laughs> so this is completely unrelated, but there are two like Mary was talking about Han Solo, and for two years now, every time somebody says Han Solo, I can't not hear. Mas Kanata saying, Han Solo. <laughs> and, and every time anybody says John Brown, I can't not hear the guy in the Ken Burns documentary, John Brown, John Brown, <laughs> famous for two things. So those of you that are Ken Burns fans, I'm sure you know it's in episode one. Fair and everything in life. But anyway, uh, I think that was Ed Beers, wasn't it? You know, Ed Beers um, in the Ken Burns series saying John Brown. So. We can cast that beers as Masquinata for name recognition, apparently. All right, I only have one more, uh, so I'll just throw it out there. Um, and I'm, you may have also cast this person, but uh, George McClellan. Oh, uh, yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, I cast going. him. So <laughs> I cast George McClellan uh, as director Orson Krennic. Dude, from Rogue One, did the same oh, thing. Oh, nice. Okay, uh, so our rationale is probably similar, but there's a couple different reasons I did it. One, uh, both extremely, extremely ambitious and very, very focused on um, success, but also personal advancement. Um, you know, really, I mean, obsessed to the point of writing about it, living, breathing. Everything is about personal advancement in a professional setting. Um, and very, very kind of competitive. Like, it's one of those, like, they're so deeply competitive that I think it's like a, a mask for self-consciousness. You know, like, you see these people that are so, so confident, and you're like, you're so confident, I think you're, like, trying to tell yourself how awesome you are because of some sort of deep, deep-rooted deep self-consciousness, which I think we all have. Um, but that singular focus on, um, in McClellan's case, gaining and growing power and in Krennic's case, um, completing the Death Star in order to get uh, power and recognition. Um, I think they're very, very similar in that regard. Um, and that kind of makes them both villainous in many ways. But at the same time, I also think they both share, um, and I think it's because of the first part, they share a lack of credit for what they accomplished. Uh, McClellan really did whip the, yeah, I shouldn't say it, but really, really, brought the Union Army to what it was. Like, it was it was really a, hodge, a hodgepodge mix of volunteers from all over the North who had no military experience, and he drilled them and drove them and pushed them. Um, and he prepared that army for major military engagements like Antietam and, and, and others. And I think he's very often overlooked for a huge role in preparing for the fight because... He was a very weak general in battle, um, and if he ever, you know, engaged. So I think that that kind of gets overlooked for um, him being an, an inept general on the battlefield, but him being a very, very good um, preparer of a, a major army. Um, and Krennic, I think, is the same way. Like his, you know, and some of this is from the book uh, Catalyst, uh, but also I think it's exposed in Rogue One too, where, you know, he 
his ambition and drive and determination while self-serving also probably led to the creation of the Death Star. And he got no credit for it whatsoever because um, he was so focused on being a military general and was terrible at that. And um, ultimately, Tarkin just kind of took over. Um, but I do think that that does sometimes, um, just from a military perspective, that always has drove me nuts about Rogue One. When they that battle first starts, like everybody is safely inside the facility at Scarif, and it's very well defended. And he immediately orders all the troops to leave, <laughs> and, that, and that and that ultimately, <laughs> you know, weakens their position. So like it's kind of interesting. That he makes a very obvious tactical blunder that makes makes ten men look like a hundred, and uh, they end up losing when they had a very 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 favorable position militarily um, that ended up. Ultimately, probably costing the entire the entire empire its existence. Anyway, so what were your what was your rationale, Nick, for McClellan and Krennic? A lot of the stuff that you're saying there, mm-hmm. and then um, and John didn't Krennic take a while to get like getting the Death Star and getting all that worked? Like he was delayed, like he was always behind schedule. Am I correct on that or no? Yeah, I think that sounds right. From Catalyst, uh, I mean, it was a Certainly, like a super long project he was working on there for well, probably, yeah. what decades, I guess, uh, or uh, over a decade. So, um, I don't know. I, you know, like in Return of the Jedi, they talk about uh, the second Death Star being behind schedule. Um, I guess there's some dialogue in Rogue One, too, that suggests like the Empire's been waiting for him to produce, right? Like to, uh, to show them that this uh, Death Star that they're putting so many resources into is worth uh, the effort. So, yeah. I think there's that exchange uh, to that is very revealing of Krennic when he like in um, uh, I want to say Mads Mikkelsen, but that's the wrong actor. Um, what's the actor that plays Krennic? Um, come oh, on, John. Uh, Ben um, uh, Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. Yeah, sorry, Ben Mendelssohn. Mendy. Uh, when Ben Mendelssohn says "my achievement," you know, like one that's um, indicating the self-centeredness of him, but also like how. I think he viewed, like, once, if I'm able to make this, like, that's going to punch my ticket. And I think McClellan was the same way. Like, once he became commander of the Army, you know, his basically, his fate was sealed. He was going to become president of the United States, and he was going to, yeah. you know, um, kind of go from there. And in both cases, it was like, no, you, you've done what we needed you to do, and we've got other people that will do, take the next step now. We, you know, you're no longer needed. And for, for two men with gigantic egos... Uh, it obviously ended in, um, ended in, well, Krennic dies. Spoiler, well, spoiler alert, uh, Krennic dies. And then McClellan did bounce back a little bit, became the governor of New Jersey later in life, uh, but is kind of known to history as, uh, as an ineffective Civil War general. There's also that great scene in uh, Rogue One with Krennic and Vader, and then, like, that all goes oh, out. And he's going to bring that up. He yeah. kind of has that grin on his face, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, F you. You know, I feel like that's kind of McClellan's attitude towards Lincoln. Right. Yeah. And, what, and Lincoln tells him not to choke on his ambitions. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I thought that that scene really, I could see Lincoln and McClellan having a similar scene in reality yeah. back in the day. That's, yeah, for sure. Who'd you cast as McClellan, Mary? Okay. This was just a silly, off the wall one that it's, it doesn't have really any depth to it at all. It was just, I was just thinking, I'm like, hey, who is McClellan? And I'm like, C-3PO, because he's questioning everything, he's cautious, he's, 
just like, you know, trying to keep up with everybody. And so that was just my kind of silly off the wall one was I was like, okay, who could McCollum be? I was like, Oh, I think that's great. I think, especially when you're talking about like uh, the peninsula campaign is that, I think I'm calling it that that right where um, McClellan had vastly superior numbers and and refused to believe it. Yeah. Like you can almost hear that dialogue, like the odds of a full frontal attack on an entrenched position are blah, 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 blah. You know, (laughs) like, you know, when Lincoln's like, you got the numbers, just go. And he's very pensive and, you know, hesitant. And yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of 3PO. Now, John, I know you're a big 3PO fan. I feels, it feels like we might be hating on 3PO. But <laughs> I am. Uh, I love him for his faults. So that's okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I've, I've known for making fun of McClellan on Twitter quite a bit. <laughs> we feel the same way about Nick. We love him for his faults. It's, you know, <laughs> sorry. Number one, well, rail splitter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Hashtag team Nick. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Mary, you got another one? Um, that, like, I was really tossing around stuff. Like, I thought of Longstreet for Vader, um, just because of the whole, I think, you know, just, I guess, the sort of redemption at the end where Longstreet was, you know, he joins. Now, I know Vader dies at the end, but, um, just how he had this turnaround, I guess you could say. Um, I was trying to think of one for Kylo Ren because I do like Kylo as a Oh, villain. I had one for them. I did. I have one for him. Sorry. I, forgot. I thought I had one more. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, um, I could not, like, I kept wrestling with it and I couldn't think of, I was trying to think of a Confederate general, like, you know, is he Nathan Bedford Forrest? Is he Beauregard? I could not come up with one for Kylo at all. Uh, my, my Kylo Ren was Robert Todd Lincoln. Um, because oh. he's trying to escape his father's shadow and trying to trying to find his place in the world um, while having aspirations to be great, similar to his grandfather and his father, but wanting to also be his own person. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. So, like, I see a lot of that in uh, Robert Todd Lincoln wanting yeah. to join the army and Lincoln saying no. Um, and then... Um, throughout his career kind of always being in the shadow of his father um and in Kylo Ren's case his father and his grandfather and and really trying to sort it out so like I think that Force Awakens Kylo Ren is is very much like Robert Todd Lincoln trying you know wanting Mm -hmm. to join the army after he was done with Harvard his dad saying no and their strained relationship um Mm -hmm. and then uh we'll see what happens in The Last Jedi uh but obviously Robert Todd Lincoln um did, did did good by his father's legacy and um, made a name for himself in his own right. Yeah. Uh, but never, of course, how could you? But never escaped uh, the shadow of his father. So yeah, I had Robert Todd Lincoln as as Kylo Ren. Sounds good. That's good. That is a good one. I like. Yeah. That. I did not cast Kylo. He was too hard too. Yeah. Did either of you ha- come up with one for Tarkin? You know, I picked Stonewall Jackson. Yeah, that was because I kind of feel like. Head. Like, you see Tarkin's posture is always, like, very straight. Yeah. Stands tall, yeah. and Jax is known for that. Yeah. Um, you know, both kind of good military technicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I After reading Tarkin, the book, which I enjoyed a lot, I felt like right. knowing his background made it harder for me to make that yeah. cast. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, same here. I just, I kept thinking of there stands Jackson like a stone wall, mm-hmm. and... Tarkin as he's standing there while they're, you know, firing the death star, like, you know, 
using the Death Star. Yeah. It's like they're both kind of coldly ambitious. I yeah. did think of one other one for Kylo Ren. Uh, I would cast uh, Telegraph Operator Samuel Beckwith. He's definitely Kylo <laughs> yes. Ren. Definitely <laughs> Kylo Ren. That's good. Uh, John, this is a bit of an inside joke, but uh, Samuel Beckwith was played by Adam Driver. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> he looks okay. a lot like Kylo Ren. I see. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. no no cut on yeah, the face. Yeah, they, 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 yeah. So I think is that that's got to be the only one, right? I don't think there's any other crossover. No, I did I, after I saw um, Force Awakens. I was watching Lincoln with my partner, and he was he was like, "Are you going to make a Star Wars joke right now?" And I'm like, "What is the telegraph operator supposed to say to Lincoln? Like, well, I'm going to go on and join the dark side after this." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see the light. I feel the light. It's pulling me. <laughs> no, he just asks Lincoln about, they talk about geometry. And yeah. then Lincoln tells him to telegraph something else, and he does. And that's the end of it. Oh, Wait. there is another, there is another, there is another one. There is another Star Wars Lincoln the movie crossover. A bit of a deep cut. Um, the voice of, is it General Huck? No, not General Hux. Who's the general... In Rebels, that ends up being on the part of the rebellion. Oh, uh, Callus. Yeah. Callus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agent Callus. Yeah. yeah. He is uh, voiced by who? Uh, it's, well, I don't know. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. His name correctly. Yeah. <laughs> David Oluyelo. Yeah. So who played uh, Martin Luther yeah. King in Selma? Uh, yeah. He, I, he might even have the no. He's he in the very very beginning of the film when uh, they're reciting the Gettysburg Address, and he, he talks about the uh, inequities with black soldiers. Uh, he is also in the Star Wars universe um, as the voice of... I forget Agent Callus. Agent Callus, yeah. Agent Callus, yeah. Yeah, so there is another crossover. Kathleen Kennedy, Adam Driver, and Daniel Anyelowo. Anyelowo. Yeah, so I don't think I knew that uh, Adam Driver was in Lincoln until tonight, so uh, that that's interesting in terms of you know, uh, Kathleen Kennedy being a producer on, on Lincoln, and, you know, maybe that's what uh, earned him or a, a part of what earned him the role as Kylo Ren. I, I had no idea. Oh, you're going to have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, it's, it's you know great... what, maybe now that's the thing that's going <laughs> to finally push me over the edge and, like, I'll go watch Lincoln, you know. <laughs> I've still it's, never seen it's it. It's a great little scene. It's, it's, uh, it is. It's, I would, if you're looking for, like, a 30-second or two-minute scene, I don't know, they really kind of... Daniel Day-Lewis does a great job of capturing Lincoln, the nuances of him, but uh, Tony Kushner, the uh, the screenwriter, um, did such a great job with the dialogue that, you know, it's it's kind of an anecdotal little scene, but it does really reveal a lot about Lincoln. He talks about Euclid and geometry and how, you know, draws draws a line through to the Civil War and... It's really, really quite cool. It's much better than it sounds, as I'm, as I'm saying it. There was also close to being another one, because Liam Neeson at one point, I believe, was cast as Lincoln, mm -hmm. and that never came. Oh, yeah. That would have been and we all know I am yeah. Team Neeson yeah. uh, in, the, in the Neeson-Daniel Day-Lewis feud that I don't really know if it still exists anymore. But um, I did cast Admiral Akbar. Oh, uh, this feels like a trap. Uh, <laughs> this is real. <laughs> Gideon Wells, Secretary of Navy. Both are known for being great uh, strategists. Um, I did cast Wedge and Tilly's as well. Ooh, okay. Wow. Joshua Chamberlain. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Josh because, you know, like Wedge that. is there at, like, all the big mm-hmm. kind of battles, survives. Yeah. Um, you know, and Josh Chamberlain's, like, there all the way through, you know, the big battles. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of these humble guys seem to come from just, I don't well, I know a little bit Wedge is covered in Rebels. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I just kind of thought that that just popped out to me. Originally, I was thinking Chamberlain for a Skywalker. But then I did Luke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just because of the personality characteristics, I kind of felt were mm-hmm. a little bit similar. But then uh, I saw Wedge when I was looking. I had two tabs open, like Civil War General tab and like Star Wars character tab. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Wedge. I'm like, dude, this is my boy, Joshua Chamberlain. <laughs> uh, did you guys think about casting the Emperor at all? I thought about it. I just couldn't couldn't find anybody. Yeah, I... I don't know. I didn't. I passed. I thought of Senator Days, John C. Calhoun. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. I think Calhoun was. Uh, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna disagree with that, Nick. I think Calhoun was a little bit uh, over the top because the in the Senator Days, like no one really like his. He kept his end game so close to the chest, and it was so full of deception. I, you know, say what John Cal- John C. Calhoun was a pretty terrible person. Deceptive, he was not. You know, I think he pretty much uh, what you saw is what you got. Um, unless his end game was, and this could be to the truth, I don't think it is at all. But his end game was to create sectionalism so severe to cause a civil war, knowing that it would ultimately end in emancipation. Uh, so he may, unless he was behind the scenes playing both sides. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. And he just didn't live long enough to see it come to fruition. I don't know. I'm going to say, I think he's a little too, too clear in his intentions. Did either of you cast Princess Leia? I did not. And I wrestled with Mary Todd Lincoln for a long time, Mm -hmm. trying to come up with, with a spot for her. John, would you say, is there anybody that you could think of in the Star Wars universe who is unjustly hated upon uh, and kind of thought of as crazy or out there. Outside uh, of Jar Jar. I was going to say, as soon <laughs> as I started talking, I'm like, this is Jar Jar. Jar Jar. <laughs> yes, the, the hate for Jar Jar Binks is uh, unjust, uh, that's for sure. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, Leia later on in uh, in Bloodline, you know, um, I'm sure that's what you're, what you're uh, alluding to, right? Like, um, she she ends up being hated because of her relationship to to Darth Vader. Uh, I mean, just otherwise, just like the entire Jedi Order, I guess, um, which Palpatine spins to be like evil and uh, the cause of they're the scapegoats for all the problems in the galaxy. But uh, but yeah, as an individual character, I would say say Leia, and then um, you know, out of universe in reality, it would be it would be Jar Jar. So I did cast Jar Jar. As Hannibal Hamlin, you know, just like somebody we most people are like, whatever, this is ridiculous. Didn't do yeah. much, you know, got rid of. That's just kind of went off to the wayside. Yeah. Just kind of like Jar Jar, although Jar Jar is the ultimate Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, great video online. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, watch you, it. You'll get it's a waste of time. <laughs> Nick, did you ca- Nick, did you cast Stephen Douglas at all? No, you know, Kira asked me uh, who I had for that, and I did not. I couldn't think of anybody. Any yeah, kind of. Yeah, what was that? I, I couldn't think of anybody either for Douglas. I tried, but I was like, I had nothing for him. I did cast Buford. Jeez, deep cuts. Wow. Uh, 
you know, Buford kind of, you know, like at Gettysburg, he's making this stand that you can't mm-hmm. really win. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of, like, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So I went with Captain Cassian. Oh, Cassian Endor, nice. Yeah, so it's kind of what I mm-hmm. thought there. You know, he was all about the cause mm-hmm. that he was fighting for. Like, Buford, supposedly, yeah. there's a quote where he's on his deathbed, you know, still worried about stuff. So uh, I think uh, I think there's a lot of Cassian in many... I think Cassian is a great character, a great war character. Yes. Uh, because when, especially when he kills um, his informant in the beginning of the film, um, and when he talks about the sacrifices he's made, um, and that conflict that he sees, like, I think there's a lot of that in Grant. There's certainly a lot in Lincoln where, like, um, they made some very horrific decisions that killed, ended up leading to a lot of death for the cause. Um, and so, you know, Cassian's conflict over killing that, like knowing that he had to kill that informant, but still feeling an intense guilt about it. Um, and then he kind of talks, he kind of alludes to many other things that he's done. Uh, I think that's a very good war character um, when you talk about, you know, people doing things that are in isolation despicable, uh, but they were for a good cause, uh, which leads to a big philosophical debate about yeah. war war itself. Hey, John. There is, a, there, there is a droid in The Force Awakens, BU-4D, who is referred to as Buford. So um, mm. doesn't it shares shares a name, not not necessarily uh, characteristics, but a name. That's a that's that's a good poll. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, nice. I know because there was a toy that came in a cereal box, and it says BU-4D right on the front. So, yeah, got that in the classroom. Buford. That has to be like inspired by somebody. Oh yeah. Like a yeah. Like I, I don't know what, but yeah. Buford, I think, is kind of overlooked and underrated, too, Civil War. And I'm a huge yeah. fan of Cassian, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I, I, how much love does he get in the Star Wars universe out there? Um, I, well, I don't know. Uh, Rogue One was well-received, and um, I think he was well-liked. But um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily hear him being like um, singled out for more praise than you know the other cast members in that movie. Um, if anything, it's like Baze and Chirut that are NK2SO that are the ones that people talk about more frequently. Whereas like Jin and Cassian are, uh, I think well liked, but not, not like standouts necessarily. Um, based on the of, movies, I would put Cassian personally ahead of Poe. And I know there's some more literature out there on Poe that I haven't read, but I personally, I like the character Cassian more than what I've seen from Poe. And I'm only pulling this from, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, it's hard to top uh, who talks first, you talk, I talk. That, that line in the beginning of Force Awakens kind of, uh, I think he he's already in the lead just with that one line of dialogue. But um, yeah, One line, one line, man. So I love that line. <laughs> I love that line. But the fact that it comes right after Kylo Ren murders Lor Santeca, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's It's not a children's movie, but I mean, like, it's, you know... Murder's not, it's like, it's the, kind of the fantasy or Western almost feel to it. Like, you know, murders aren't murders and, mm. and Westerns are fantasy or Star Wars. So I get that, but there's still a little bit of me like, like you're close enough to his split and two dead body. Yeah. Kind of like being a smart ass, but I get it. I mean, I, I love the some... line. I love the line and I was not thinking about Laura Santec until I like reflected on it, you know, Yeah, you got to show but... some, if you're Poe, you got to show some bravado in that moment too, you know, because. Oh, sure. uh For sure. You're you're potentially going to be split in half, lying right next to Lor Santeca if you don't uh, 
you know, muster some, some bravado or some, some confidence there. So, um, I think, uh, an admirable often overlooked star Wars character who reflects, I think what's the, what's best in, in all of us is uh, Smee Skywalker who had like the mm-hmm. worst possible life. Uh, and there are also a lot of parallels to, uh, Abraham Lincoln, right? She's a slave. Yep. Um, and like her, her sole purpose was trying to make the world or make life better, uh, for her son to the point where she sacrificed the only thing that she had, which was her son himself, um, giving him up knowing, because knowing that it would be better for him. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that, you know, there's some Lincoln in there for sure. Um, but also the, I think she could kind of represent the unnamed people in the, in the civil war, Abraham Lincoln story, the slaves and the soldiers who sacrificed, you know, she's kind of like an unnamed, not, not often thought about character who really has a pretty cool and intriguing and impelling story arc, um, gave up everything, had, had the worst imaginable possible life, but also without her, you know, none of this would have happened, um, potentially. So, um, she, I would say, I guess I would cast her as everybody in this Abraham Lincoln story who doesn't have a name, Smee Skywalker. Solid. I like that. Yeah, well said. John, I got a question for you. Um, how much did history play a role in the whole Star Wars universe for George Lucas? Uh, for, no, sorry, I just thought of something I want to bring up, but I don't want to take your question, John. So, go ahead. Well, I would say, uh, I don't know, it's, t- it's a tough question to answer because George Lucas is a bit of a, uh, I don't know, he practices some revisionist history in the way he talks about the inception of, of Star Wars, and it depends on which interview you go to and stuff like that, but uh, I definitely think it was influenced by uh, the Vietnam War, and uh, if, if there's like historical influence, I think that's probably the, the biggest element of it. Uh, otherwise, probably more influenced by mythology, um, but... Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, George Lucas, I think it's, it's, it can be tough to trust him. I mean, I love him, but it can be tough to, uh, tough to trust him in interviews in terms of, uh, you know, what he reveals as his sources and, and what inspired what he, he's good at, uh, uh, spinning a yarn in terms of, uh, all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, I mean, for sure the Vietnam war, I think was, a uh, super influential in, in the inception of Star Wars. Can you, uh, John, talk a little bit about, because, um, like, people who are, like, hearing this concept, like, an Abraham Lincoln Star Wars podcast episode seems insane. Uh, the arguably most evil uh, entity in The Phantom Menace, um, aside from maybe Darth Maul, uh, is the Trade Federation, I would argue. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, George Lucas's uh, idea of the Trade Federation and who the leader of it very not... <laughs> Not too subtly was referencing. Uh, I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm oh, not I'm sorry, I put you on the stuff. spot way too, way too harshly there. So this well, is what I read: the trade federation. Well, obviously, the trade federation represents like big business, right? I mean, it's hard to get around that. Oh, okay, it's a, it's okay, a, it's sure, yeah. Intergalactic business companies of some sort. Uh, the uh-huh. leader is the, is a weasel, uh, spineless, soulless. Um, person who appears to stand for nothing named Newt Gunray. Um, the Newt, uh, I don't think, is a very subtle reference to, uh, or a possible reference to Newt Gingrich, uh, who in the 90s was um, kind of representing a conservative uh, movement. Mm. And uh, there's a consensus that his last name is a play 
on another conservative uh, politician, uh, Newt Gunray, uh, being a parallel to Ronald Reagan. Um, mm. So I, there is a theory out there that, uh, and I think a lot of people kind of believe it, that uh, the Trade Federation is kind of representing that big business um, kind of political arm. Because those, you know, I think um, certainly the seeds were planted in Phantom Menace, but Attack of the Clones is largely a political film. Um, mm -hmm. you know, with different factions and one person kind of holding the strings. But, yeah, there is a theory out there. Uh, and actually, I think I read it in, um, there's a book called How Star Wars Conquered the World. Um, okay, yeah, Chris and, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, and like he, he writes it as if it was like, reading his book, you would think that like, it's just known and accepted that Newt Gunray is, a, is an amalgamation of Newt Gingrich and Ronald Reagan. Huh. Yeah, that's very interesting, and it makes total sense. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that talked about um, in, in any of the Star Wars books or, you know, interviews or anything that I've read. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes total sense, and that's certainly where George Lucas's like, political beliefs lie. Um, you know, there's no question about that. So, um, you know, although uh, I don't know, it's tough to say because then, like, you know, there's the classic line um, from Attack of the Clones. Uh, what is it? If you're not with us, you're – or from uh, – Revenge of the Sith. Sith. If you're not with us, you're against us. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and, Followed by uh, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, there's right. that line too. But there's 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 lines in in the prequel trilogy that that seem to echo things that uh, you know then President George W. Bush had said. Uh, but if you go back and look at those, um, you know, some of those like the script had already been written before he he delivered some of those lines that are. Uh, are really memorable and seem like, oh my God, George Lucas, you're being so on the nose here, you know, quoting the president. And yet it was almost a coincidence. So uh, I guess it's tough to say, but, uh, but no, I think I'm sold uh, on the new gun rate thing. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I remember distinctly, uh, it was my first year teaching at the school we're at now. Uh, I wrote on the whiteboard uh, the next day, um, both the, both the quote from uh, Anakin Skywalker or, or the newly named Darth Vader, um, you know, either you're with me or you're my enemy or whatever it was, and then the George, and I put Darth W, because <laughs> I thought it was so <laughs> clever at the time. Uh, yeah, we'd have to, I'd have to go back and double-check that, but I think... Oh, they were, like, um, remarkably I, similar. They, they, I, they yeah, are. Yeah. They are, and it could always be something maybe he added, because he would tinker with those movies and the editing and all that stuff right down to the final moments, so... Uh, you never know with him, too. It's possible that it was added in at the last second. But I think if you look at the timelines, it's just a remarkable coincidence with that line. Well, it, to um, me, it doesn't matter. Like, it's the idea that, you know, it's almost better if he wrote it first. Because it's, you know, like, mm -hmm. this is what, you know, in his eyes anyway, this is what a Sith would say. And Obi-Wan immediately recognizes it and says, only Sith deal deals in absolutes and ignites the lightsaber. And then they fight in a volcano. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Could be. So, all right, Nick, I know you had a longer list. We were kind of running up on our time frame here. You got any uh, any other ones you want to throw out there? No, I think I threw out most of the ones I wanted to. There's some other nonsense I put on here. but All right, um, and John, do you have a Star Wars character you just want to throw at us and see if we can do a quick recall and assign a Civil War or Abraham Lincoln-related character? Or oh, yeah, I that? could. I mean, I could definitely do that. One of my favorite Star Wars characters is uh, Wat Tambor, if you're familiar with Wat Tambor, yeah, leader oh yeah. of the Techno-Union Army. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any Civil War generals that had to dial an FM radio uh, <laughs> mid-speech or anything like that, but uh, I do like him. Um, boy, who else? That's a tough um, one, Wat Tambor. 
like if I knew like yeah. like who a technology general was, the problem is this the you know they were kind of the bad guys, and we're we're in the north here, so like a southern technologically savvy general probably didn't exist. Although maybe you know what Wat Tambor could have been. The monitor or the Merrimack? Which one's the one with like the rotating turret? Oh, very simple <laughs> yeah. machine that was like deadly and super effective. <laughs> that is good. So we're gonna go with uh, Wat Tambor was the monitor. The monitor. I like that. Good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer the original trilogy, obviously, to the prequels. Though I'm a huge fan of the prequels, and and the prequels are better for uh, goofy characters. I think, no doubt about that. So. Um, there's there's a bunch of great ones. I mean, uh, Dexter Jetzer. I don't know oh. if there was a, a 50s diner cook um, <laughs> that was part of the Civil War or not, but uh, that would be good. Um, or uh, who else? Uh, I, I quite like uh, Rick Olay from um, The Phantom Menace, but uh, he was just kind of a pilot, so I don't know. Um, you get yeah. David Farragut, probably. He's like the damn the torpedoes guy. Yeah, uh, naval naval yeah. Uh, officer. I think that would be good for Rick Olay. As far as uh, like, I would maybe Joshua Speed, like a like Lincoln's kind of confidant. You know, the guy who would kind of maybe go to for maybe some information or some advice. Right. I guess maybe. advice on Camino saber darts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, knows everything. I really wanted to cast Greedo, but I couldn't think of anybody. <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, there's debate uh, at the Fort. We talked about this in Fort Sumter. There's debate over who shot first. Oh, that, oh. Uh, there you go. So that dude, <laughs> there's your yeah, that would be uh, Beauregard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, last one. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's it's uh, you could find an easy analog since he's a, a captain, but uh, Captain Tarples, uh, my other favorite Gungan, you know, from the Phantom Menace. Um, anybody with like a Fu Manchu style mustache? Um, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was no Fu. There's a lot of good facial hair in the Civil War. But yeah. Fu Manchu, I don't Very think I've ever it. seen that in a Civil War general. No. There's a lot of there's a lot of like imperial like generals or admirals, I guess that I like. Piet is kind of always the one like you kind of have a soft spot for because they're just like getting taken advantage of, and you know. Always, conf- you know, seem to be somewhat conflicted about what they're doing. So I'm sure there's some mm. elements of some Confederates that we can probably sympathize with. Dude, I plan on watching all the Star Wars before I go see a new one. Now, like, I'm just going to be like studying, be like, oh, what Civil War general or person? <laughs> yeah, that's this what I'm going to be doing too. What cabinet member is this guy right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, be like so. taking notes and take me twice as long to watch it. Yeah. So this is uh, this is a Twitter friendly episode. So please tweet at us some. Uh, some of your thoughts, uh, if you disagree or agree with us on any of these. Um, I do need to do a quick shout-out. While we were, we were recording, uh, we're recording this on Monday. Um, some of you may have seen uh, Nick was kind enough to su- supply us with a picture of him rubbing the Lincoln statue in the early 90s. Uh, Mary commented on that, uh, that <laughs> it needed to be a Millard Fillmore statue. And our friend Chris, while we were recording, we got a photograph he photoshopped the, the nick rubbing the nose of lincoln onto a millard fillmore statue <laughs> and it is epically bad uh but awesome uh photoshopping um it is it's just simply incredible um and it's it's kind of gross in a way um 
It's inappropriate is it's what it is. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. Although it would get me elected in Alabama. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, Not cool. Not me. It would get Miller Fillmore elected in Alabama. I am quite young in that picture, if you haven't picked up on the joke. He is quite young. And I, I've just sent this uh, under the Rail Splitters chat. Um, it's, it's quite graphic. Um, it's not as bad as we're making it sound. It's making we're making it sound terrible. So, but anyway, so we'll put it out there for uh, the little Millard Fillmore uh, that we bring in. We've got a feud, by the way, John, with Millard. Nick has a feud with Millard. Oh uh, yeah, I've been feud- feuding with Millard Fillmore on Twitter. It's actually been a while, um, but he posted something dumb today, so I might, you know, <laughs> go at him. Yeah, it's, dude. It's by cool. the way, he looks just like Alec Baldwin. Oh yeah. So. Hey, I'm going to send you the Photoshop picture. We're all laughing at now, too, Jen. Okay, I'm I'm still like uh, in awe at this picture of you as a as a young man here. That looks nothing like you. I know. It took me a minute to like. I didn't know. Is that your brother? Is that, <laughs> who is that? So. Yep, okay. that that is me, dude. Look at that calculator watch. I think that looks familiar, John. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just saw the Photoshop. Um, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll put that out there when the show when the show drops. Uh, as for this week in Lincoln this week, um, I am just going to play for you uh, my son. This was, uh, I think he was about two and a half, uh, saying, uh, I just asked him, what do you like to read about? And he is going to say, Abraham Lincoln and Star Wars. Uh, so uh, he's come a long way. I'm very proud of my son with his speech, but you... It's almost, uh, it's very difficult for a long time. His mom and I were the only people that could understand him. But here is uh, my son Charlie saying, Abraham Lincoln and Star Wars. Um, okay, hope you enjoyed the... Uh, I didn't hear it. I know, sure. I'm going to edit it in later. Thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for completely ruining that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to let us know you're doing that. I think everybody kind of understood when I did the pause. It's my first time on the show, and I completely understood exactly <laughs> yeah. what was happening. So, yeah. It's only my 27th. So <laughs> a couple real quick things as we close. Uh, do please check out the Blockade Runner podcast. Uh, it can be found on iTunes and Podbean and Stitcher. Anywhere else, John? Uh, Blockade Runner podcast at, um, com. Blockade Runner podcast.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. And YouTube, they do, uh, we used to kind of uh, do some of our uh, episodes on YouTube. They do some of theirs on YouTube, so that's worth checking out also. Uh, please give us a rating or review on iTunes. We don't have any new ones. We have one on Podbean, don't we? Or I don't think so, no. It was just kind of a clarification. Although, actually, you know what? I should actually bring that up. Uh, I did want to make a correction. Um, there, Sometimes when we get reviews, we use they use uh, people who give us reviews use usernames and sometimes those aren't always clear who that person is i accidentally misgendered someone um triz nation is a, a dude and i apologize triz nation uh we do uh still appreciate your comments and your support of the show uh, but you sent uh, uh he sent a really nice message uh kind of affirming that he was cool with it but uh he also uh had some nice things to say about the show so we'll definitely uh, I wanted to confuse that. Uh, he says, I assure you, I'm a red-blooded, Midwestern, all-American, grade-A man. Booyah. So, Chris <laughs> Nation, I apologize for uh, misgendering you in that situation. Um, and I appreciate the notes. Uh, and we'll get into some of your comments uh, a little bit down the road with um, 
some future episodes. We got some great stuff coming up for you at the beginning of 2018. Uh, we definitely got some good uh, episodes coming up to finish up 2017 as well. John, did you have any parting thoughts for your first time here on the Rail Splitter? Uh, just thanks for having me, and uh, may the force be with you. Nice, nice. Mary, Nick, any parting thoughts? Well, that was really fun. It was a good show. It was awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I think the reason uh, the crossover here worked is because, uh, you know, John's knee deep in that Star Wars universe, which is awesome, and I've enjoyed getting into it, and we're knee deep into the Civil War Lincoln universe. And the great thing about our society we live in, there's avenues for both of us, mm -hmm. for both camps, uh, to go out there and follow along on social media. Hopefully everybody goes and uh, enjoys The Last Jedi, and, you know, um, and hopefully you start casting uh, some Civil War people um, as you're watching it. So yeah. Probably the third time through. Yeah, very so, true. Very or John's true. 20th time at the theater. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will have an episode. Uh, when, this, when this episode is posted, you will have one week until The Last Jedi comes out. Uh, we'll post an episode next Thursday as well, but don't worry about it if you're in line to see The Last Jedi. <laughs> you can always listen to it uh, later. And so, if you're done listening to us, go rate us on iTunes. And then go listen to Blockade Runner, which is actually about The Last Jedi, and then go rate them on iTunes and give us both five stars. But if you don't really like us, you can always trash us in the comments and we'll read it out loud. But give us the five stars. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, uh, John, thank you, and thank you to the Blockade Runner podcast. It's a great show, and I definitely enjoy uh, listening and uh, kind of interacting with you guys on social media. Uh, Nick and Mary, once again, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and to everyone in Real Splitter Nation, Keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all, and we will see you next week.